Hello everyone and welcome to the Ranking of the Stars, a podcast in which I, Jack Dilobobolik, and my lovely, luscious, low-sodium wife. <laughs> Hi, this is Emmeline Dilobobolik. Give me a break, I gotta come up with over 90 of these. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Watch, in chronological order, every single movie that has won the Oscar for Best Picture. And today's movie is... The Broadway Melody from 1929. The Broadway Melody. Shall we start with the poster? Sure. All right. What do you think of this poster? Uh, This poster, I said the last one looked like something that would be in your grandparents' bedroom. This one, to me, looks like... It looks like something you'd see in a restaurant in a foreign country, like maybe an Italian restaurant or Mexican place. You know, they just sometimes have, like, old-timey Americana stuff I can see that. on the walls. You know, Hollywood, Broadway, and that kind of thing. It's a drawing with three main characters in the center mm-hmm. and just... Uh, some women doing the con-con for them and maybe on the sides. Yep, some chorus girls just kicking their legs up on the sides. Elegance and simplicity. And at the bottom, it says, talking, singing, dancing. Dramatic sensation. Dramatic sensation. <laughs> what more do you need? Apparently nothing. Yeah, I have no beef with this poster. Yeah, it's simple, it's elegant, and doesn't have too much on it. I think it's to the point. Yep, does what it needs to do. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> Who do we have for the cast? throughout the movie so. yeah there's only yeah. really three but four. four yeah but uh so we have uh eddie kearns who is played by uh, charles king queenie mahoney who is played by anita page harriet hank mahoney she's never called harriet she's never called harriet never called hank. harriet through the entire movie um who is played by bessie love bessie love bessie love uh Jack or Jack. They call him Jack. Werner, yeah. played by Kenneth Thompson, and Uncle Jed, played by Jed Prouty. <laughs> Uncle Jed, played by Jed. Yep. Yep. Those are the the four characters, the recurring characters in the in this movie. So I had my gamble that got messed up in the first episode, uh, in regard to n- nudity in the first time we would see it. Mm-hmm. But another bargain we can make is how long do you think it's going to be before there's an actor that we actually recognize in one of these movies? Oh, boy. Uh, I'd say probably sometime in the 30s. Like, I, I feel like we're going to recognize some other people. Maybe, like, Gone with the Wind? Maybe. I know Casablanca's 43, right? Right. Humphrey Bogart's in Casablanca. So, so definitely there. Definitely by 43, but... I feel like we'll, we'll recognize some of the actors by, like, end of the 30s, beginning with 40s. Yep. If not by their face, we'll recognize their names. Mm, certainly. Yeah. Hmm. So? Plot? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, maybe some facts first? Yes, facts. Okay, so the movie is directed by uh, Harry Beaumont, and it was distributed by MGM, which is uh, Metro Bowen Meyer. Uh, and just like uh, Wings, it had a bunch of different release dates. Uh, the first one was uh, February 1st, 1929, 
and that it was released just at the Grauman's Chinese Theater. Then February 8th, 1929, it was uh, uh, released in New York City. And then finally, in June, on June 12th, 1929, it was distributed and released all over the country. Mm. So a bunch of different, uh, different release dates. The running time is an hour 40 minutes. And you feel every second of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the budget at the time was under $400,000. It was exactly $379,000. Hmm. But it made $4.4 million at the box office. Yep. Because it's what? the first musical with sound. First musical with sound. Exactly. That was my next fact. It's one of the first sound feature films and it is definitely one of the most uh, musical films the granddaddy of all the mgm musicals <laughs> yeah obviously first musical to win best picture yep. too uh some of the scenes were shot with a live orchestra that was off camera mm. but uh other scenes were shot with the actors singing to pre-recorded music they were still figuring out how to yeah. uh film how to shoot a movie with sound so yeah, early so, days of the technology yeah uh the fun and fun fact here is that there is also a silent version of the movie that was produced because um there were still a lot of theaters that were not equipped for uh sound at the time so there is a silent version of the movie um it currently has a 42 percent on uh, approval on rotten tomatoes getting a little bit ahead of ourselves but that's pretty generous <laughs> yes and there are a bunch of sequels that were made there's broadway melody of 1936 broadway melody of 1938 and broadway melody of 1940 but they're not exact uh, exactly uh, sequels in the sense that uh, characters don't come back except for one dancer who was played by Eleanor Powell and uh, other casts uh, other cast members from the original film play different characters Is in the she sequels. just one of the random chorus girls yeah she's one of the random chorus girls and she came back in all the in all the sequels okay she and her character was the same in uh, in all the sequels, whereas other ca cast members from the original movies come back as other characters. Other characters, yeah. yeah. So they were all produced by MGM. I believe so. Yeah, I saw one of them had Fred Astaire in it. I bet that's a way better movie. I sure. I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. But it didn't win Best Picture, so it doesn't <laughs> exist for our purposes. Yep. Shall I move on to the plot? All right, the plot, such as it is. Uh, we open at the offices of the Gleason Music Publishing Company, where various performers are practicing their acts. It's just a big open office room. There's no dividing partitions at all. And it is a... It's a big cacophony, it honestly. Is, it is a ruckus. Everybody's uh, practicing their different acts, and they're all different types of music and different volumes there's people playing guitars and piano there's uh ladies just practicing their dance routines it's a mess it's a mess but it feels yeah it feels weird a little bit because we move from room to room different uh, different genre of music different yeah uh people we but did. then when we can come to the big to the main uh i would say like maybe like meeting room you can hear all of it played at the same time yes they're 
this is the new technology, right? They get sound in this movie, and so yeah. they're they're showing off immediately, hitting the ground running. Yeah. Here's all the noise you could ever want. All right, uh, a big wig with a light bulb for a head enters the room and is told by none other than our male lead, Eddie Kearns, that Eddie has come up with the hottest song you'll ever hear. <laughs> uh, this guy doesn't actually have a light bulb for a head. It's just that... Audience, you know how Stephen King's face is like two miles long? This guy's head is like two miles wide. <laughs> it does look like a little bit of a light bulb, yep, honestly. It feels it's very bigger. small at the bottom and then kind of a base. Yep, of... shaped like a light bulb. Doesn't yep. mean he's a bad person, just means he's got a light bulb for a head. It is, yep. it is what it is. <laughs> All right, uh, the song that Eddie has come up with is the titular Broadway melody, and it's total dog shit. <laughs> He performs it for the guy. I, did you like it? Yeah, I felt like it, it was... I liked the melody, at least. Maybe not the uh, the lyrics, but the melody was nice. I just... Blech. And I have nothing inherently against musicals or anything like that. Uh, Singing in the Rain, fantastic movie. It's just... It, well, for one, the sound quality in this movie is pretty bad so you can't understand a lot of what he's singing yes and there's it's not catchy there's no it's just it sounds like any old song you've ever heard coming out of a phonograph right it's just yeah which is i guess you know is also a part of the time that it was produced yeah just it did nothing for me uh the people in the office love it though and one of the numerous petite blondes that's practicing there asks Eddie to let her perform the song on stage. But Eddie tells her he can't because the Mahoney sisters are coming from out west and he's promised them the song. And that one of the sisters is going to be the future Miss Eddie Kearns. And he has to leave right now to meet them at a hotel. Uh, cut to the hotel and we're introduced to our two female leads, the Mahoney sisters. The small but fiery Hank Mahoney and the naive but beautiful Queenie Mahoney. They have a very uh, common dynamic between them with Hank being the like small uh, streetwise, you know, stick with me kid, we'll make it big. And yeah, she's like, and definitely, she's, uh, definitely appears as like the you know, older sister. I, yeah, I don't think they ever give their ages, do they? And... We don't know. Uh, how old they are, but we know that uh, Hank is the the oldest. She is because when uh, Eddie comes in into their hotel room, he looks at Queenie and was like, oh, "I can't believe how much she's grown." And we uh, know yeah, that, that she was definitely there. She's definitely the baby. That does imply that she's younger. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, Queenie's just the the naive, innocent one who you know falls along behind. Oh, gee, I don't know if we should do this, and yeah. Alright, tired of toiling away in obscurity out west, they've come to New York City to make it in the big time. They're just getting settled into their hotel room, and Hank fears that the bellboy might try and stall for a tip, so she executes an ingenious plan. She has Queenie stand by the window and say, Wow, come look at the view! So she has an excuse to walk three feet away from the bellboy to the window. Now that she's slightly farther away, a tip is impossible. <laughs> Hank is a master tactician. Uh, at the window, Queenie tells Hank that she's scared to be in New York City, and maybe they could just go back out west for one more year. Uh, Hank tells her to stop worrying, and that soon their name will be in lights. Which is honestly what I expected to happen yes. at the, this point of the movie, because it just feels like a, not a trope, but it feels like 
we're being told what's going to happen and I, I definitely expected that it was going to be a movie really about both of them making it big. 100%. Going into this movie knowing nothing about it, I just uh, felt in my gut that it was going to be a yeah breaking into breaking into Broadway kind of movie, you know. Yeah. Rising star, can I make it? That kind of thing. Uh, jump cut to the hotel bathroom for a scene that somehow manages to be both gratuitous. Uh, without being the least bit titillating, it's the scene with Hank brushing her teeth in her boxers and skimpy top while Queenie undresses for a bath. Like, this just felt... I see what they're trying to do, but A, it doesn't work at all, and B, it's completely needless, right? Well, just like, I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but it just like uh, Eddie tells them later in the movie, when they're actually on Broadway, um that uh, people don't cut, are not going to come to Broadway and pay money just to look at their faces. It, it works exactly the same for the audience in the, in the movie. You're not, you have sort of two female leads. Um, your people at the time, and probably also nowadays, don't go to the movies just for the story or for pretty faces. They want to see bodies. Yeah, it's always, always been that way. It's just, it's just extra pointless. So, comes off as just eye-rolling. Come on, Hollywood. Right. Hank hears a knock at the door, and she answers it, and it's good old Uncle Jed. Uncle Jed has non-specific ties to the entertainment industry. I don't think they ever say no, like I... what his job is or what he does. It's just that he works, he works in something related to Broadway, and he's been working in this town for a long time, and he, he knows the ropes. He feels more like a, not a producer or anything, but he feels more like a, a talent scout, Yeah, maybe? something of that nature. We don't know. Yeah. We're never told. He warns the girls that it's not going to be as easy uh, to break into the entertainment industry as they think it's going to be. Uh, Hank gives no shits about that. It'll be uh, cream in the can, she says. Yeah. That's one of her sayings. Uh, Uncle Jed also has a Porky Pig style stutter that's utilized every single time he's on screen. I did not understand the point of him having a stutter. I don't know if the actor himself has a stutter or if they made him have a stutter, but I did not understand the point of this character having a stutter. I think it's just shitty 1920s humor. Yeah, but what's humorous about that? Uh... Ha ha, he has a disability, I guess. I, yeah, it's not Maybe. great. And I said uh, Porky Pig style, but this movie came out in 1929. Yeah. Porky Pig did not debut until 1935. So. The precursor to Yeah, precursor Porky to Porky Pig. Pig. Yeah, and he has the, uh, he fixes it the exact same way Porky Pig does. You know, when Porky Pig tries to say one word and then he'll finally move on to another mm -hmm. Like, there's a, a scene where uh, Uncle Jed is trying to say breakfast. He goes, you should have your bread, you should have your bread, you should drink your coffee, right? Yeah. He does the, uh, he also has a little whistle he does, and that seems to, like, get him out of his loop. Right. <sighs> yeah, I, it's, it's not great. Uh, Uncle Jed leaves, and then Eddie arrives right after. Uh, Eddie gives Hank a smooch, 
And then he looks at Queenie and damn near starts to drool. There's like a close-up of his face. I know. He gets a, a big smile and a shine in his eyes. Ooh, boy. Which is immediately creepy. Yeah, pretty lady. Yep. Uh, he tells her that she used to be a funny-looking thing with gangly legs and freckles. <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. But is now primo boning material. Uh, then he turns back to Hank and says he totally loves her and that they'll be famous in no time because he's already secured them a spot in an upcoming production that will include the song he just wrote. Uh, they ask him for a preview of the song and for the second time in less than 20 minutes we're subjected to the Broadway melody. It's not any better this time around. Uh, the song finishes and we fade to black. Uh, he sings, they also do a little song and dance. Yeah, they, he, he tells them that uh, in that... Uh in the production, the Broadway production that he's secured them in. Uh, he, they could do a little dance, they could have a, they're gonna have a number, essentially, the three of them. Like, yep. Hank's got a little ukulele she plays. Yeah. He shows off his, uh, how well off he is on Broadway, because he's got, like, diamond cufflinks and uh, right. gold garters and, and, you know, he's in money now and they'll be in money uh, soon, too. He's got it all planned out. Right. One thing to add to the to the scene is that uh, for the first of many times, um, Eddie kisses the, the both the sisters on yeah. the lips, and also before everybody arrives in their uh, hotel room, at some point uh, Hank to reassure and uh, to reassure her sister. Um, gives her a kiss on the lips, which I did not expect to see, uh, because mostly I've never kissed my sister this way. So yeah, yep. and also this is a still a 1920s movie, You're, so you don't expect to see two women kissing on the on the You screen. continue to be very freaked out by all the <laughs> familiar kissing that's going on in these movies. Yes, because you don't a you don't expect two sisters kissing on the on the screen. B also you don't expect somebody who's says he's in love with one of the sisters with Hank, also kiss the other sister. I don't know. There's just something that is creepy about it. It was a more innocent time. <laughs> more innocent time. <laughs> Fade back in, and we're at Zanfield's Theater, where rehearsals for the unnamed production are taking place, and Zanfield himself is there observing. Uh, he Zanfield is always surrounded with like a team of cronies, who just say yes, sir, to everything he says. Yeah. I'm doing this. Yes, sir. And I want uh, the, the costumes to be in this color. Yes, sir. And I'm having lunch at Knickerbockers. Yes, sir. And they, they, I thought they were maybe advisors or anything, but they're more his servants. They're just his cloud of yes men. Yeah. Because he's the boss. The sisters show up, and Eddie informs them that the secure spot he told them about was a big, huge lie because he hasn't even spoken to Zanfield about <laughs> them yet. Uh, he immediately goes and asks Zanfield to let the sisters audition, and Zanfield agrees. And then we have our first odd, silent shot of the movie. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, when Eddie tells Mr. Zanfield to just look over... Oh, Zanfield says, uh, where are these sisters? And Eddie goes, over there. Mm -hmm. And then... The camera cuts to a new angle, and it's just Zanfield. There's no sound, and it lingers on him for a good, like, five, six seconds of just him looking. And it, it's bizarre. And they do it multiple times throughout the movie where they'll, they'll do the same thing. They'll just zoom in on a single person, and all sound will cut out, and it'll just be them, like, 
shooking, sh- you know, shifting around and looking awkward for a few seconds. I wonder if that was because of you. Know, when we have that silent shot of Zanfield right after, you also uh, go back to the sisters and they're getting undressed. Oh, you think it? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if it was because they were getting undressed or anything, but it was def- it definitely that shot of the of the sisters, you know, getting into their almost into their knickers. Yeah. Um, felt very awkward for me to to watch as well. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just it's weird to to just be looking at them undress. It was this uh, the same feeling that I, I had in the. Um, uh, in the bathroom scene with uh, Queenie, uh, you know, getting ready for her bath, it's just you feel like the camera's drooling at them. Almost, yeah. Yeah. They're being definitely objectified, which is nothing new for Hollywood. Yep. Hank goes to the piano player to give him instructions for their audition, and some random chorus girl leaning on the piano uh, gives Hank shit for being a nobody. Like, never met this girl before, just walking up, she's, meh, which is a continual thing we'll see throughout this production. Everyone hates each other in this production. No one's having a good time. They're almost the miserable, snarkiest assholes. Which, yeah, doesn't feel comfortable, but also I guess it's the nature of uh, being on Broadway, like you're... I guess. Everybody's your enemy, because everybody's trying to make it the same way you are. Yeah, so. your competition. Yeah. Uh, Hank tells Eddie she's going to roll the chorus, chorus girl like a piece of linoleum. Uh, the girl overhears and decides to sabotage the audition by placing a lunch box. It's a box that Hank puts down on the piano, but I don't know. It's not a purse. No, it's a metal, a rectangular metal yeah, box. It looks we like, don't know what's in it. It looks like an old-timey lunchbox. Yes. Uh, she puts the, the lunchbox inside the piano so it's out of tune. Uh, Zanfield is unimpressed uh, by the audition because the lunchbox inside the piano screws it all up, and that is somehow the sister's fault in, right. in Zanfield's eyes. And he tells Eddie, quote, I can use the blonde, but the little clucker is out. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the random chorus girl is talking shit again after the failed audition, and Hank decides to start throwing hands. She uh, takes the lunchbox, throws it off the side, and just, they just start clawing each other and pulling hair. And... Which also, we're never shown how she finds the lunchbox. She just opens the, somehow opens the, the piano. Yeah, it might be it. a, I don't even know if she does that. It might just be a continuity error with it yeah. being inside and then being outside again. Yeah. Because, yeah, if she had actually found it inside, I think she would have made a, a bigger deal out of it, right? Like, it feels like it should have been a bigger deal. Yeah, hey, why you no good for, yeah, but so they get in a fight. Uh, the fight is broken up, and Zanfield tells the random chorus girl, uh, excuse me, random chorus girl, to maybe dial back the shittiness just a little bit. Queenie then approaches Zanfield by herself and tells him that she heard him say he wasn't interested in Hank, but to please reconsider, and he agrees very easily. Very very well. Next to no convincing. Oh please, sir, will you? Oh, okay. He's probably attracted to Queenie. Yes. Maybe that, that might be the origin of that silent five second the, the silent the hungry shot gaze. on him. Yeah. Well, uh, I wouldn't doubt it because every other uh, man in the movie certainly is. Uh, she's the blonde. She's the blonde. 
Queenie breaks the news to Hank and Eddie, and Hank goes to talk to Zanfield alone. Eddie says he saw Queenie get the part for Hank, and tells her he could kiss her for it, and he does. They break apart with Eddie clearly wanting more, and Queenie says, Oh, Eddie, you shouldn't do that. You love Hank. Yeah, sure, says Eddie. Mm. Queenie then goes on about how Hank means everything in the world to her and has always taken care of her and looked out for her and how she could never, ever hurt her. Yeah, sure, says Eddie. (laughs) Uh, Hank then comes back and tells them that she got the part. Hooray! Yeah, there's something that bothers me about uh, Eddie's behavior all throughout the movie is it he goes back and forth between being so very sweet with Queenie, but also just, you know, I'm sure he, I'm sure he loves uh, Hank, but I think, I think it just bothers me that he goes back and forth between them. I think the second he saw the new Queenie, mm. Hank went right into the garbage. <laughs> and every, uh, act of affection towards her after that point is just him. so that he can keep seeing Queenie well it's just him playing his part right yeah not wanting him to not wanting to actually have to deal with the consequences of, of, of what he's doing because they're engaged supposed to get married yes the future Mrs. Eddie Kearns he said yeah although he didn't specify which sister in that opening scene he just said one, one of, of them one of the sisters <laughs> Next scene is the final dress rehearsal for the still unnamed production, and I'm just gonna let you right now, uh, let you know right now, audience, we never get a name for this thing. Nope. It is just the production. Uh, we get a brief glimpse of the stage, which has a giant uh, Viking ship with around forty to fifty women in costume on it. Viking ship, that accurate? I think so. It, I think yeah. So. I don't know what they're going for here because they've got the viking ship and they've got one guy in like roman looking armor and then all the women are dressed like water nymphs water nymphs but also they feel some of them feel like they have um i don't know what to call it either in french or in english but like you know those like old white robes like long robes just very flowing airy gowns yeah and it just feels like a mishmash. They just threw, like, every kind of old uh, highfalutin art style they could think of. Like, there's no consistency to any of it. The thought behind all of it is just, oh, this is, a, you know, uh, an art style from antiquity. Yeah. Get it in we there. Are, we also, uh, yeah, we don't really know what the show is about. We don't know if nope. the scenes are supposed to be connected. Uh, we never we know. No, we, we only see the opening and then that scene with the sort of Viking we ship. We will never, ever know what this production is about. So it might as well just be very different acts that are completely disconnected. I, uh, I'm guessing that maybe Broadway back then uh, took some cues from uh, vaudeville and it was just uh, a lot of variety shows. Probably. So maybe that's why it's such a mess, but who can say? Uh, Then we're in Hank and Queenie's dressing room and Queenie tells Hank that she's so nervous she's shaking. Hank says, nervous? What's nervous? I'm not nervous. I could win a gold medal for how not nervous I am. (laughs) 
Eddie then comes in and tells the girls not to be nervous. It's just a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and their whole future is at stake. Thanks, yeah, Eddie. Yeah, Eddie needs to shut the hell up. He comes in and, yeah, oh, don't be nervous. It's just a huge opportunity. Get the fuck out of here, Eddie. And then he, like, keeps stops in the doorway and just, you know, drives the knife in deeper. Like, you'll never get another opportunity like that. Get out of here, yeah. Eddie. Jesus. <laughs> Not helping. We then have a scene of Eddie practicing his song on stage and having an argument with the conductor of the band because everyone in this production hates each other. Like He just comes out swinging. Like, he immediately gets on stage. He's like, all right, now perform my song if you can manage it. Which wasn't the song wasn't being played before he came on stage either, so we don't know how they were playing the song. Yeah, it's just, like, every interaction between people in this movie has to be snarky and aggressive and it just makes the the whole thing so unpleasant it it doesn't it, it's um i don't necessarily understand what the um the point of the the argument is it's like are you a musician or are you a, song, a songwriter or anything it's like both of them are clearly um a part of this uh, of the production and of this business it's just the, that Eddie wrote the song and then the uh, the other guy is just the guy who's going to play the song. There is a, a brief uh, interaction Eddie has with Zanfield before that where he claims that the orchestra is trying to drown him out. Mm. So that's the beef he had. But it just it feels like it falls into the trap that a lot of sitcom writing falls into where they just can't figure out how to propel a conversation between right. two people without having those two people be arguing. Yeah. No, I, I don't like it. Uh, quick scene of a man, the man in Roman armor complaining about the spotlight he's in because it ruins his profile, and the light operator says, your profile was ruined the day you were born. <laughs> well, every, everyone, everyone at every opportunity is they just... They don't know how to communicate without it being It's just shitting a, on each other argument. as much as they can. Back at the orchestra pit, Zanfield has shown up along with some fellow bigwigs, uh, including both the best and worst characters in this entire movie. Uh, the worst being Jack Werner, who is a world-class creep, as we will see later, and the best being a man referred to simply as unconscious. Because he's always drunk. He's always uh, almost blackout drunk. Yes. Uh, we never get any information about unconscious. We never get his real name. We never get uh, who he is or what he does. No, he just shows up randomly. Yep. He's just w one of the bigwigs and his name's unconscious. That's all we know. Probably named unconscious because that's how he most likely ends up at the end of the of the night. <laughs> being so <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, so drunk. It's, he's drunk in every single scene he's in. We never see him sober. No. He's always uh, like waving around on his feet like almost about to topple over drunk. Yeah, and speaking, just, ah. yeah, that kind of thing. They're all there to get a sneak peek at the show, and as they take their seats, a bell rings. A bell signals everyone to take their places. Uh, before things can get underway, however, one of the girls standing up high on the prow of the big Viking ship falls off for no discernible reason at all. Yeah, I rewatched this for the synopsis, and she doesn't get spooked by anything. She doesn't get bonked. 
nothing. She's just back to camera. She's looking down at the ground and she just steps off and screams and hit the, hits the ground. And it's just, uh, just what they needed to give Queenie a bigger role. Yeah, they had to get her out of the way somehow and, uh, the writers decided to just not come up with a reason. <laughs> she steps off and goes, eee! And then everyone uh, gathers around her and they say, get a doctor! And then they just drag her away. Uh, her corpse is dragged away and the show begins because the show must go on. Uh, curtain rises and Eddie with a top hat, cane, and pocket full of miracles subjects the audience to the Broadway melody for the third time. A million lights, they flicker there. A million hearts, they beat quicker there. He's got his whole Fred Astaire getup. Hank and Queenie do a little dance while he sings, and not even two minutes into the act, Zanfield stands up and says to cut this shit out of the show because it's taken too long. Like, they barely start. They had barely started out. I don't know what, again, I don't know what the point would be of cutting the show like this. Just cutting in the show. You know, people are coming to uh, to see the show already, and I don't know if that's how it works. Yeah, like they or didn't. Or how it worked back then, but it. They didn't make any mistakes or flub their lines or anything like that. They're yeah. just in the middle of their act, doing it fine, and he just stands up to stop it. Okay. Uh, the random chorus bully that ruined their audition sneers from the sidelines. Uh, Hank tries to argue with Zanfield, but Queenie pulls her off stage and the show goes on. Uh, this is where we get the extended scene of the woman with cow ears on doing a combination of ballet and tap dancing. You remember that? Yeah, we mostly just look at her feet. Yep. Camera just, yep. Close up of her feet. She's standing on her tiptoes and doing mm -hmm. the, the standard ballerina thing, but she's also like... Tap dancing yeah, on her. It, all, it, all, it looks like a combination of, of ballet and uh, Irish dancing. And she's wearing cow ears. And also, the backdrop for this whole thing, it's like, it's very stark uh, shadows on scar skyscrapers and whatnot. It looks very noirish. Yeah. Looks a lot like the, the Batman animated series. The yeah, a little bit, yeah. The opening from that yeah. in the 1990s. Those buildings, you kind of, you know, sort of know you're in New York, New York City. Yeah, it's but... it's buildings and spotlights and neon signs. Yeah. And that's it. And then after Queenie and Hank are thrown off, we get this chorus line of girls coming out kicking and a, a lady in cow ears tap dance belaying. What does any of this have to do with anything else? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the performance, one of the crew asks Zanfield who should they should replace the dead boat uh, lady with, and he says to use Queenie. Cut to the man in the Roman armor asking for the spotlight again, and the operator picks up the spotlight and just throws it at him. Like, and it's not a small thing. It's like, if he had hit somebody with that, they'd be dead. And also, for the time, it was probably crazy expensive. Yeah, super expensive. And he, and he, the spotlight operator, he's standing up in the rafters. He mm -hmm. shucks it down. Everybody is, yells and screams. And then it cuts back to the spotlight operator and goes, ah, darn, I missed him. Like, mm. I, I do not like the, <laughs> the, the tone of this whole production. Why is everyone so nasty to each other? Uh, immediately after that, uh, one of Zanfield's uh, fellow bigwigs comes up to him and goes, How are things going? Uh, very smoothly, replies Zanfield. <laughs> uh, 
the curtain then rises on the stage with the Viking boat. Uh, that backdrop with the, the noir buildings I mentioned just rises up out of the way and the boat is behind it. Yep. And uh, all the bigwigs are in awe of how good Queenie is at standing still and pointing. They cannot take their eyes off her. The grace, the beauty, you have no idea. She is, to me, nothing special, but okay. Look, not everyone can stand still and point. It takes years of training and dedication. Not everyone can have a ridiculously long blonde wig. Yes. Because uh, her hair is probably like down to her ankles at that point. Oh yeah, it's very long. <laughs> That's yeah. how you know she's good. She makes it look so easy. Not everyone can do it. Uh, after the performance, Jack Warner asks the name of the girl on the prow so he can begin harassing her. While off to the side, Hank complains to Eddie that they never had to get work out west based on how good their legs look before, to which Eddie replies, those guys ain't gonna pay ten bucks to look at your face. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, comes back to what I was saying uh, about the bathroom yep. scene earlier, is that it's the same thing. It, it works for the live audience at the theater, it works for the uh, the audience from the movie at you. He says, look, sweetie, the entertainment industry is a meat market. Yes. If you've got legs, show them. Yep. Jack then approaches Queenie and tells her he made a bet with his friends that he'd have dinner with the most beautiful girl in New York, and she has to help him win that bet. And this is where more of her naivete comes out. She goes, well, what does a bet like that have to do with me? <laughs> Come on, Queenie. You did. That was a really good imitation of her in, yep. that, in that moment. Uh, he says uh, that she has to help him with the bet. Queenie says, nah, and walks away. Uh, even though he can... In a sign of things to come, he does not take no for an answer and just continues yeah. to follow her, even to the point where she's walking up to her dressing room. Yeah. She's about to to walk up the stairs, and he grabs her arm. Yes, he just very insistent. He is, from minute one, just a complete and utter slime ball. Like will not take no for an answer. Just hands all over her, pushing up into her personal space, grabbing. Just gross. This guy is gross, and I hate him. Yeah, and the you know for. At the time, the actor who who, who plays uh, Jack Warner, uh, his name is Kenneth Thompson. Uh, he, for those of you in the audience who uh, might have watched uh, Sex and the City, he looks like Mr. Big a little bit. He's very tall, broad shoulders. Yes. Uh, he's, I don't know. I don't want to call him handsome because he's he. I mean, he's not handsome to me, but definitely feels no. like he has. He's confident. He's oh, got, certainly. Uh, he probably exudes charisma. Very and rich. Has the, very rich. He's and one of the big wigs. He, he's got that stature where he. Yeah, he's, he's a tall man. And... I don't think you ever see him in anything other than a tuxedo and slick back hair this entire movie. Yes. So he definitely like exudes that confidence where he's not going to take no for an answer. Yep. He's not used to take no for an answer. Yep, Jack gets what he wants and doesn't care uh, who or what he hurts in the process. Uh, so Jack has lost the bet and his fellow bigwigs tell him to pay up, but Jack says it's not over yet. Ugh. 
Uh, next scene is in Hank and Queenie's dressing room with Hank and Eddie getting ready to hit the town. I rewatched this trying to figure out what exactly they were doing, and I, like many things, it is le left vague. They don't say what they're doing. They're just non-specific, going to celebrate them getting their roles. I, I guess. Think so. I think so. There, it feels like it's non-specific at the same time. It feels like it could be the night of that first show, or it could be just this, them celebrating that they're on Broadway. Yeah, that's another thing about this movie. Is it feels like the whole thing takes place over the course of like three days. Yeah, it's a very short time frame. Uh, Queenie doesn't want to be a third wheel, and the other two suspect it's because she's going to be going out with Jack instead, despite the fact that she rejected him not even five minutes ago. Yeah, this is weird, too, because she flat out rejects him, mm -hmm. his offer. Then she goes up, and we have this scene, and they go, you're thinking about going out with Jack, aren't you? And she goes, maybe. It's an inexplicable change of heart. Yeah. Uh, their suspicion is increased when Jack himself shows up. Uh, just can't get rid of me, can ya? He says. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And after a brief exchange, he leaves, and Hank and Eddie go on uh, at length about how he's not the right kind of guy for Queenie, who eventually gets fed up uh, with all their nagging and storms out. I hope you like this scene, because it's pretty much just repeated for the rest of the movie. This... Yeah. This is it, folks. The, the majority of the remainder of this film is Eddie and Hank... Uh, trying to convince Queenie that uh, Jack's not a, the right fit for her, and Queenie getting mad and yelling and storming out. Yeah, that's that about is, it. That is 90% of what's left. That's about it. Sometime later, Hank returns to the hotel room to find that Queenie didn't go out with Jack after all. She's safe. For now. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, at the girl's apartment, an enormous bouquet of flowers arrive from Jack for Queenie's birthday, quickly followed by Jack himself, who once again tries to push himself on Queenie despite her protests. Haven't I been nice to you? Haven't I given you everything you want? Can't you do something for just... There's nothing that comes out of this guy's mouth that is not pleading or whining or... It's... I mean, you know exactly what he's looking for. Yeah, he's trying to bone her. Yeah. He's just trying to bone her through this entire movie and being insistent and slimy and creepy about it. And it's so uncomfortable to watch. And I hate it. And that scene especially because when you uh, you see her looking at the flowers and all that, he's getting in their hotel room by, I guess, giving some money or just greasing the... Yes, he's trying... Um, his only strategy is to buy her affection, this yeah. entire thing. Uh, his, his idea of women is that they are pay to win, and that's what he's going to do, right? Uh -huh. Uh, this is also the scene that has the worst film grain I have ever seen in a movie. It was really bad. It just straight up looks like it's raining indoors. Yeah. And that is... Like, Wings that was made two years before that looked so much better. Way better than this movie. It is so clear that uh, this movie has not been as well regarded by history as Wings had. Yeah. Because the sound quality is bad... The film grain is always bad, but this is certainly the worst it gets. It has not been well preserved. There is, you know, a difference of budget also between Wings and and this one. Like Wings had like a two million dollar budget. Yep. And this one is like less than four hundred thousand. This one, this one is just like falling apart at the seams in front of your eyes. Yeah. 
they put a lot of, I guess they put a lot of money into the into it being uh, a sound movie and and uh, being a musical but not a whole lot of quality in the actual filming yep and it shows uh, Eddie soon comes in as well and says Jack shouldn't be left alone with Queenie uh, Jack leaves, and Eddie expresses his desire to beat the shit out of that guy. I'm with you there, Eddie. <laughs> uh, he then sings Queenie a song, tells her he wrote it for her, tells her he loves her, or tries to. He doesn't finish, which becomes a repeated thing throughout the movie. Yes. Him just about to say he loves her, but he always gets interrupted by something. Yeah. Uh, he goes in for a kiss, uh, and Hank walks in on them. Uh, but Queenie pushes Eddie away fast enough that Hank doesn't notice anything amiss and Queenie runs away yelling. Even though Eddie was like real deep, like he was smooching on her neck. Yeah. And uh, she quickly pushes him away. Yeah. Do you remember the song that he sings to her? It's not the Broadway melody? No. What is he it? He sings to her that famous, I was meant for you. Oh yeah, that one. And he tells her he wrote it for her, so that's a... But then it comes back in the next scene. It does come back uh, when she's at the, the party. Yeah. Eddie continues to be a, a big fat liar. <laughs> Flash forward to a surprise party for Queenie's uh, birthday at the apartment. Uh, the guests are milling around, waiting for Queenie to arrive, and showing off their sweet suitcase-sized radios. Mm. And the guy puts it up on the table, and he brags to uh, another uh, guest at the party that, uh, I can hear Chicago on this thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. I love old-timey technology. Uh, Hank comes in, and everyone throws confetti on her because they think she's Queenie. Hooray! Uh, she tells everyone that Queenie decided to go to a different party. Uh, the guests leave, and Hank goes into their bedroom to have a big sad. Uh, Eddie comes in to comfort her, and she says, At least I still got you, Eddie. Wah, wah. Yeah. I was semi-hoping that he was going to, like, break up with her in that moment no. I, I don't know he leaves very abruptly and i yeah. felt like this was if there was going to be a moment to really break up with her it would have been then because like yeah she was, already, she was already sad but i mean just drive the knife in deeper yeah kick him kick him all the down yeah also when he comes in she's praying she is but then when he sees her she pretends that she's not praying and this is, like, the one... Because most of the drama and pathos in this movie just completely doesn't work at all. For various reasons. Yeah. But the one line that does work is uh, her excuse. Because she doesn't want Eddie to see she's praying. So she pretends like she's looking for something right mm -hmm. down on the ground. And she looks at him and very plaintively just says, I lost something. Yeah. And... She's talking about her sister, right? Of course. That was a good line. I like yeah. that. She like, she lost the, the sister. She thought that they were going to make it together uh, on Broadway, and Queenie is having a lot more success than she was. Yeah, so. and, and two weeks later, it's all gone to shit. Yeah. All right, we cut to the party uh, Queenie went to. It's a super fancy high society party with all the men wearing tuxedos and having slick back hair. And all the women in sparkling gowns and jewelry. Big, everything's made of marble. Uh, there's a band, there's dancing, there's a huge cake that's in the shape of that Viking ship that made Queenie famous. Mm -hmm. With huge, like, foot-long candles all around the primer of it. Yeah. And this is the part where, in my opinion, we get the one good musical bit in the movie. It's those four guys sitting in front of the band... 
Three of them have guitars, although I think only one of them plays. And then the fourth guy's got a ukulele. Mm -hmm. And they sing, I don't even remember any of the words of the song. It just was catchier and more pleasant to listen to than the titular Broadway melody. It was much more of like a a barbershop quartet kind of thing. (laughs) Very high-pitched. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Best best musical bit in the whole in the whole movie because other than that the movie's really only got one song. Two. Two. You're counting the uh, the one he sang. Yeah. Okay. I'm counting the yeah the Broadway melody and the I was meant for it, you. None of them go on for very long. Like all the musical bits in this movie don't last any longer than like f- five minutes at most. Yeah. 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 For for a musical, there's not that much music in it. I guess they weren't trying to put strain on the new technology. Uh, during the song, Jack takes Queenie out on the dance floor. This is where he the band starts playing the song that Eddie sang to her, and she, I don't like this song. Play something else, which causes uh, Jack to ask her what she does like. To which she replies, I like cake. I like cake. <laughs> Never changed, Queenie. But she also has this like little bit of like, this cake is elegant, but I'm not going to eat it all. I can't eat that, but my stomach's not big enough. <laughs> yep. She has this like big, dumb voice about it. Yep. She, yeah, this is her peak naivete, I think, in this yeah. scene. The, I like cake. I like the... cake. <laughs> All the time she says, maybe. And maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Jack leads them away from the other dancers uh, against her complaints because uh, complaints made by women do not register to Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and straps a diamond bracelet on her wrist. He tells her that he wants to give her a lot of nice things and is about to force himself on her when he's interrupted by Unconscious, the hero of the film. (laughs) And this is why he's the hero, because... He interrupts the grossness. Yes, he he saves Queenie. Yeah. And there is no indication of this in the movie whatsoever. This is purely my fan fiction, but I, I want to believe that this was intentional by Unconscious, that... Through the haze of alcohol and and shittiness, Unconscious has spent enough time around Jack to know what kind of shitbird he is, sees what's happening, and goes and saves her intentionally. That would be lovely if that was the case. I, I want to believe it, and so I do. <laughs> I... There, there's, I, I'm just searching desperately for something to grab onto, because no one in this movie is likable. Yeah. So... You gotta take what you get. Queenie arrives back at the apartment, and we uh, have another silent close-up, like the one we had with Zanfield. Mm-hmm. But this is her uh, looking at the diamond bracelet yeah. and just oogling at it on her wrist. So, uh, if your theory about Zanfield is correct, the uh, through line in these scenes is people looking upon desirable objects. I think. I think so. So far. There's four of these total. I think I only caught three of them. This this is the third one. Mm -hmm. The second one is the one I missed. I think it happens with Hank, but I don't remember the context in which it happens. Uh, She shows Hank her bracelet and talks about all the cool rich people stuff she's going to have. And Hank tells her again that Jack is no good. Queenie leaves and Hank cries. She tells her that she should find somebody 
uh, that she can be proud of. Yes. And she should uh, she should be with somebody like Eddie. She should be with somebody like Eddie. Hank, Which is a little bit too much on the nose for me. Hank, but... you blockhead. Yeah. Yeah. We fade into a theater program opening, showing us uh, that we're about to see something entitled The Wedding of the Painted Doll, featuring the Zanfield Dolly Girls. And this scene was originally filmed in two-strip Technicolor, but that copy of the film was lost, mm -hmm. and so it only survives in black and white. You cannot yeah. see it in color anymore. It is impossible. The two colors were just green and red. Christmas colors. Christmas colors, exactly. Uh, appropriate, I don't know if that's appropriate for a wedding, but those were the colors. <laughs> yep. Uh, this uh, little scene does not feature Eddie or Hank or Queenie. It's it's just a little scene with other people. Uh, there's acrobats, there's kicking, there's dancing, there's a, a beach ball worm, which ladies, they all line up. So they're all squished together in a line, and then a beach ball, they just like... Like the wave people yeah. do at stadiums, they just push the beach ball back down along the line, which is neat. Lots of flips and tricks. This is definitely the most acrobatic uh, scene in the whole movie. Yeah, it was nice to, uh, to look at, but at the same time, like, uh, plot-wise or story-wise, oh, yeah, it, it does absolutely it nothing. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just a, just a performance. Yep. Check out this cool thing we did. Uh, after the end of that... Uh, the page we go back to the the program the page turns and we're told that the next part is called the boyfriend with the zanfield dancing girls and this one is just hank and queenie in uh, vegas sh showgirl costumes singing a song it's they're doing their bed they're dancing yeah, singing together hank's got a ukulele they've got lots of sequins on their outfit big yeah. huge feather plumes you know showgirl stuff yeah a little bit into their song a chorus line of girls comes out behind them and kicks mm -hmm. but uh for the most part the spotlight is on queenie and hank Doo -doo -doo. after the performance hank and queenie argue backstage about jack some more until eddie shows up and tells hank that it's his turn to yell at queenie uh he tells them in uh, initially to knock it off because uh people are starting to hear them out in the audience arguing yeah. Also, uh, Eddie has no pants on. He's just in a big pair of polka dot boxers <laughs> for this whole thing. Back in the dressing room, Hank and Queenie argue some more. Hank says uh, he won't allow her to see Jack. And Queenie says, try and stop me. As much as I agree with Eddie and Hank about Jack being shitty, the way they try and stop Queenie is gross as well because they're... Their strategy is always to say, well, you're not an adult and we won't allow you to do this. I'm also not sure that they ever really give her a reason no, for not seeing they Jack. Always, like, they always tell him he's not the right kind of man. They always skirt around it, which might just be a product of the time, right? You can't... You can't say that he's a ladies' man. Yeah, you can't just come out and say he's trying to bone you and... Yeah, well, there's one thing, there's only one line uh, that I think Hank says where, I think it's Hank who says, you know, he's not the kind to marry. Yeah, he's not the kind, to, they, yeah. But that's as much as we get. Yes, they're super vague about it. Eddie says things along those lines as well about uh, he'll never give you a ring. and Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's not the marrying type and 
Yeah, that sort of thing. He'll call you, but he won't put a ring on you. That sort of stuff. Uh, they tell Queenie she's not allowed, and Queenie in this scene says, Try and stop me. Uh, Hank and Queenie wrestle for a bit, and uh, Queenie throws Hank onto the ground. It's not super violent. No, but she... their reaction to it is definitely as if she had been extremely violent. Yeah, she doesn't like toss her into the the dresser or anything like that. She just pushes Hank a little forcefully and Hank lands on her butt. And then yeah. they both stare at each other in shock. Because they're, you know... That probably never happened before. Yes, their their relationship has been shattered in this, this one unfortunate moment. Uh, Eddie then enters, and he starts yelling at Queenie as well. Queenie yells back. I think this is a point she goes, I hate you! I hate you both! And she runs out the door to be with Jack. Uh, while Queenie and Eddie are yelling at each other, uh, the camera cuts to Hank. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment she realizes that Eddie has feelings. Yeah. And they did a, a decent job with that. You can see it on her face, that the realization dawning in that moment. Yeah, the realization. That Eddie is more upset about um, this than he should be, right? Yeah, at the same time, like, there's nothing in what he says in that scene that's... Yeah, I think... It, that's extremely revealing. I think it's just the intensity of it. Yeah. And how upset he is. Yeah. So she she finally realizes. Uh, oh, he does say one thing about Jack. He uh, that I'm just remembering, um, something about Jack's actions hurting him. That's the only thing that I can think of that would be uh, that would be revealing to to Hank in that moment. Yeah. That like he wants to hurt. Jack in the same way that he's hurting him. Also, the scene before this, we get uh, a little glimpse into uh, Queenie's motivation to see that maybe she's not so naive after all because uh, Hank makes the argument that she's just trying to protect Queenie, to which Queenie replies, but don't you see, I'm just trying to protect you. Mm. Yeah. She's trying to... uh, She doesn't want to hurt her. She's trying to find uh, any man to attach herself to so she won't be available to Eddie, so Eddie will still be with Hank. Right. Bad plan, but at least there's pure intentions behind it, right? Yeah. After uh, Queenie storms out to go see Jack, uh, Eddie collapses into a chair in their dressing room and starts to mope, and... Hank tells him that she knows he loves Queenie, and if he were any kind of man at all, he'd go and fight for the girl he loves. Mm. You're just gonna sit there and take it? I think, uh... Which is one of the only uh, moments in the film for me where I actually like Queenie, uh, not Queenie, uh, Hank, because a lot of the other scenes, she just acts like really tough, and she just wants to make it in the business, and, and she's a little bit uh, obnoxious, but she's in very... this very moment, she's sort of the only character that's likable to me. She, yeah, she's very combative about everything. Yeah. But pretty much everyone in this movie is. Eddie says she's right and gets up to go pursue Queenie. Uh, Hank sits down, looks at two pictures of Eddie and Queenie, and cries. They're separate pictures. She just <laughs> pulls them out, yes. sets them down on the desk in front of her, and just starts to weep. And the camera lingers on that for an uncomfortable amount of time and then uh, she gets up goes to the phone 
and calls Uncle uh, Jed and asks him to get her some gigs back out west after all. Yeah, and to pair her up with somebody else. Yeah, because when they first arrived uh, and Uncle Jed came to visit, he said, you know, and he was telling him about how it's not easy to break in in New York. Mm-hmm. I could easily get you some gigs out west. Ah, no thanks, Uncle Jed. And yeah. Now she's now she's caved in. Yeah, and when it's clear that Queenie is going to uh, be more successful than she is, she uh, Hank has a meeting, I think, with Uncle Jed, and he tells her uh, already at that point that he could pair her up with somebody else. Yep. At Jack's apartment, there's a party going on, uh, but Jack and Queenie are in the back, with Jack once again trying to force himself on her. And he's he's getting really insistent now. He... He actually, like, grabs onto both her arms mm-hmm. after she, you know, starts to reject him again. Haven't I given you everything you want? Don't I deserve a little, you know, that... Yeah, don't I deserve a little... Don't, don't I deserve to have my wiener touched? And they're actually starting to raise their voices and yell at each other. And this... Queenie's never... She, she's never given him anything. She's always protested in yeah. every single they're in together, which... Always, she goes out with him. She goes out with him, but she she's never enthusiastic about it. No affection. It's all him trying to push himself on her and, and her pushing him away and him just not taking no for an answer. Which I'm assuming he is probably taking as her playing hard to get. Yeah. I'm Yes. There's all kind of shitty social dynamics going on and the whole thing is just gross and uncomfortable. Yeah. Eddie bursts in. Uh, Jack says, what do you want? Uh, to which Eddie replies, I'll show you what I want. Uh, he takes his swing at Jack, misses, Jack counters, and punches Eddie, and Eddie falls flat on his face. Good job, Eddie. Hmm. Uh, he punches Eddie so hard that Eddie flies backwards into the into the main room and yeah. like collapses in into the middle of the crowd of the party. So now everybody's watching. Uh, Queenie rushes to Eddie's aid, uh, takes off the diamond bracelet, and throws it at Jack's feet. You're no good. I don't want nothing to do with you anymore. Finally. Thank God. Uh, Jack orders Eddie thrown out, and six random goons from the party pick up Eddie and chuck him out into the hallway. Uh, Queenie follows and asks Eddie if uh, he still likes her. Uh, Oof, ow, my hip, Eddie replies, which... (laughs) He got punched in the face, not in the hip, but this, several times in this scene in the hallway, he, he starts to say, then, ooh, my hip, and this is how he gets out of saying that I love you in this particular instance, because he yeah. starts to say, it, and then, ooh, my hip. He just can't get the words out. He's trying, he's uh, somehow trying to appear uh, tough, I guess. Yes, he does remind her once they get up that and remember, it did take six guys to get me out of there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's too late, Eddie. <laughs> She's already seen it. Yeah, we, we all saw you uh, go down from after one punch. <laughs> uh, he gets up and they leave arm in arm. Yeah. Fade to black and then we fade back up. We're back with Hank, who I guess is out west now. The the room she's in looks exactly like their hotel room, which looked exactly like their apartment. 
I think they only had one room. It, yeah, it both looks very similar and same, uh, different at the same time. Furniture's like the... in the same places. There might be a piano in this place, which wasn't yes. in the other places. So that's what it's The supposed... walls are a little darker, too. So it feels like it could be the same set, probably, but just made to appear different. Yeah. And it never tells us where back out was. So we're just supposed to intuit that from her calling Uncle Jed in the last scene she was in. Yeah. Uh, and she's holding a letter from Eddie and Queenie saying that they had a great honeymoon. That was fast. Yeah. Like, oh, what? They're married, I guess. Now, okay. Hmm. Nothing. N no explanations. No talk of marriage in the last scene whatsoever. Just uh, Queenie asking Eddie if he was going to walk her home. Yep. And him, oh, of course I'm going to walk you home. Uh, yeah, two seconds later, they're married and on their honeymoon. Sure. <laughs> Uh, Eddie and Queenie then arrive, and a happy reunion is had by all, with Queenie telling everyone she's quitting show business. Uh, she'll only be related through marriage now, she says. Yeah. She's had okay. enough. Yeah, I got the, the feeling throughout the whole movie that it was much more of Hank's ambition than it ever was Queenie's. She, she was reluctant the whole time yeah. to be involved. She was afraid, I think, to be maybe far away from home, or we don't exactly know. Yep. Yeah. Non non specific nervousness. Yeah. Uh, Chank, uh, Chank. <laughs> <laughs> Hank is still chasing her dreams, however, with a new partner, uh, supplied by Uncle Jed, I suppose. Uh, it's just some random lady we've never met before, who Hank only refers to as stupid. Yeah, but somehow she looks she looks very similar to the girl who was bothering Queenie at the uh, the first audition. Yeah, they're all of a type, right? They're yeah. all petite, doe-eyed blondes. Yeah. And she immediately starts to flirt with Eddie. Yes. Like, pulling on his tie, you gonna have a song from me yet? Which makes me think that uh, that it is the, that girl from the beginning, because she knows, she clearly knows Eddie already. Yeah, but they're also supposed to be out west, so... We're never told that they're out west. Yeah, I'm just inferring, because they didn't... I think they might still be in New York... And they're because they're ready to go on tour. They're ready to uh, to like go away for their gigs, but we're never told that they're out west. I I'm, I feel like to me they're they're still in New York, and then they're about to go away for for their gigs. Yeah, I could go back and look and see if there's a piano in the other scenes of the apartment, but there isn't a piano. I don't give a shit. So, <laughs> and uh, like I said, I think the the uh, walls. In that last room, or they're different. They're they're darker. Uh, I, I don't think it's the same. Yeah. It might still be the same set, but just different setup. Eddie does say this lady's name. Her name is Flo. I don't know if the random chorus bully ever got a name. I don't think it's the bully. I don't think. I don't think we're given a name. They certainly look very similar. Yeah, I do get the same vibe from her as yeah. you get from Queenie of her being. The more dim-witted of the pair. Mm -hmm. It seems like Hank always wants to be the one in charge. Yeah. And they put on a little performance to show that they're a duo in... Which was exactly the same um, the same performance that Hank and Queenie were playing at Zanfield at the beginning. Yeah, their audition. And it felt like Hank was annoyed with her throughout the whole performance. It felt... Because they like do this little dance where Hank is behind. Yeah. She's usually behind Queenie, but now she's behind the, the random chorus girl. And it felt like she was, like, 
pushing her almost. She might be also like messing up the the steps like, or messing up the the notes from the song. Like as if the chorus like you're not moving fast enough, so it's just mm-hmm. like bumping her, you know, yeah. making her go faster. It did not did not feel like that was a good pairing. No. Isn't yeah. Hey, Hank and Stupid have to leave or they'll miss their train and once they're gone Queenie cries because uh, Hank ain't never got a real break. Eddie says she'll be okay. Maybe. Probably. Whatever. Before they leave like they are both uh, Queenie and uh, and Eddie make this big fuss about how when Hank comes back she should come and live with them. Yeah. They got a house on Long Island and or that's, something like that. Uncle Jed also makes this speech about how uh, Hank is a, a, a real honest trooper. Yeah. <laughs> and never so, gives up. I guess the implication being like she was never going to get married and her only hope at having a, a, yeah, it, a home is to go and live with them. It did feel like a very backhanded compliment. It, it did. Yeah. It did. And in that last scene, also, before Hank leaves, guess who kisses in the scene? Oh, Eddie kisses Hank? Yeah, he kisses Hank, like, right in front of Queenie. I, yeah. Smooches flying left and right in this era. I know, but he's married to Queenie. It, it just ain't right. It, there's something about <laughs> it that just bothers the heck out of me. So, so prudish for a European... Thought you French people were supposed to be wild. <laughs> All right, cut to Hank, uh, Stupid, and Uncle Jed in the back of a taxi. And Stupid complains about the uh, small-time gig they're uh, on their way to. Hank wipes away a tear and says not to worry. She'll have them both back on Broadway in less than six months. It's cream in the can, baby. The end. Thank God. Yeah, thank God, but also I thought we were about to have, like, a whole nother act of this movie about how Hank, like, couldn't make it on Broadway with Queenie and how, you know, uh, it was wrong of them to split up and then getting back together as a duo. Nope, none of that. Just, uh, it's not a full downer of an ending, but you do not get the sense that Hank is headed for anything good. Would you have liked it better if we had had that other act? No, because I wanted it to be over, because <laughs> fuck this movie, but... <laughs> it just, it's just another knock against it where, like, it felt like it's not even finished. I can, yeah, I can see that, but I, I just... There's not a, a whole lot of a plot, really, in the movie. No, bare so I bones. I feel like they just didn't know how to end it. Yeah. Yeah, it, the ending, it was so sudden, it just gave me a whiplash. Like, what, that, okay. Like, yeah, it felt very sudden. I don't want it to keep going, but that's not an ending. Yeah, so needless to say, this is not going to be our favorite movie of all time. No, this movie sucked. It was just... None of the characters were likable. Uh, bare bones plot with the, with the with every scene after Jack is introduced just being about Eddie and Hank yelling at Queenie about seeing him and, and Queenie yelling back. That's every single scene yeah. is just that over and over and the whole movie is just uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because of the interactions of the characters. It's uncomfortable because of how badly it's preserved with all the film grain and the sound quality. 
this movie just feels bad in every way a movie can feel bad it really to me like uh, we were saying just when we talked about it together it just to me it probably won best picture just because of the novelty of it being oh musical. definitely definitely i th- it was probably just the the big shiny item on the on that list that year and yeah, people just like the novelty of it being having sound and it being a musical. Well, we know that the Academy always tends to lean towards the safe choice, right? And sometimes the safe choice is the right choice. But it's just that their strategy is always the same. So sometimes it'll work and sometimes it results in this. <laughs> Yeah. Where it got picked because, well, of course you're going to pick the 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 first musical ever. Like, yeah. you you have to, right? I really wish that... Despite the fact that it's a terrible movie. Yeah. I really wish that the, the story had been more complex or that it had more of a... I don't know. I Really, what I thought it was going to be about it would have been more interesting. It would have been like the the road to like rising yes. as a famous I uh, as a as an artist on Broadway. I would have much rather had a, a story about uh show business and yeah. the, the perils and the triumphs of that instead of this shitty bare bones love triangle. Yeah, because we get to see glimpses of what it means to be on Broadway and uh, in all the yeah. you know, all the characters just being mean to each other and insulting each other and yeah like that, the but... when they go for their audition uh that scene starts on a, a line of chorus girls practicing yeah. and the guy in charge stops it and goes uh you with the left leg what's wrong with you yeah. you know that kind of thing and just starts berating her for not doing a good job and yeah if the movie had been you know ruminations and commentary on that or you know the whole uh, uh they're not come they're not paying ten dollars to look at your face and stuff like that but it's just treated as like yeah that show business what are you gonna do you know yeah. there's there's no actual thought given to it it's just the nature of the business this movie was so bad that while we were watching it, I felt an existential dread <laughs> really settle into my stomach. To that point? Oh my gosh. Over the enormity of the task we have set ourselves up with with this podcast. <laughs> it You're was like, just, I don't know what we're going to be talking about. It was just, oh no, if... If, we have to try to talk about this movie for If we have to keep hour. watching movies that are this bad... I mean, I'm gonna do it. I mean, they're but... not all. I mean, they were all winners, but <laughs> obviously, because uh, they all won Best Picture. But not all of them are gonna be winners in our hearts. Whew, but yeah, I'm so glad we didn't start with this one. That would have been a real downer. Yeah, that would have made my existential dread much worse. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad that Wings was the first yeah. movie we watched because Wings is ten times the movie this movie is in every Absolutely. way. Yeah. Absolutely. This movie is awful. And that says a lot because Wings also had no dialogue. It was a, a apart from you know background uh, sound. It was a completely silent. Way movie. more likable characters though. More likable characters and had an actual. It felt like 
it had an actual like plot and we had you know, character development and all that I don't see that much of that in the in the Broadway melody yeah uh, a technical victory not a narrative victory yeah oh well, I said last time that uh, this will be where the real fight begins but uh, going with that metaphor <laughs> If this were a fight, it would be like uh, two boxers uh, walking towards each other in the ring and one boxer tripping over their shoelaces and bashing their head in <laughs> on the posts. Not much of a fight at all. Because, I mean, do we need, even need to say at this point that uh, Wings is going to maintain its number one position on our personal lists and uh, Broadway Melody is going to be number two for you, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not going to be number two for me. Why? Because I'm putting this at 90. Really? It, it doesn't... Already? I am banking on the fact that... How many of these are there total? Uh, 93 right now, 90, I believe. 93. Okay, I know for a fact that there's good, there's one movie that's worse than this that we're going to watch. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, no. Come on. Keep you in suspense. It's something to look forward to, audience. But there is at least one more movie worse than this. So the bottom of the list is going to be 93, 93 right now. <laughs> So I'm banking on the fact that there's only going to be two more movies that are worse than this that we watch in the entire list. That's going to be, I'm Babe Ruth, I'm calling my shot. Number 90 is where this goes. I am not even going to dignify it by letting it be in the number two position for even a single episode. Fuck this movie. All right, for me, I am I don't know most of the movies that we're going to watch. So for right now... Wings is number one, and Broadway Melody is number two. Yep. Ugh. And next week we'll be returning to the war. Yeah. With All Quiet on the Western Front. There anything else you want to say about this disaster of a film? Not really. Yeah. Save yourself, audience. We watched it so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. We, we took that bullet for you. You're welcome. The only redeeming quality, I guess, for me for this movie are are like the the costumes. The costumes are already good, sure. especially when uh, mostly when we have scenes in the theater and you have you know a lot of these like background characters and, and all that. Like yeah. the their um, their costumes for the show are. Like, I want I don't want to call them impressive, but they're even in black and white. They do look beautiful. Yeah, a lot of work went into them. Yeah. All the ladies, the the fashion at that time seemed to be hats that look like bathing caps. And they do. Yep. They do. But otherwise, yeah. Uh, so it does does give all the productions a, a feel of uh, ladies dancing in their swimsuits. We've watched it. One time was enough. Yep. And never have to watch it again. Alrighty. So... See you next time. Yeah. For Join us next week when we return to the war. All quiet on the Western Front. And a new decade moving into the 30s. Yep. With all quiet on the Western Front. All right. That it? That's it. All right. See you next week. Okay, that's it, that's it, that's it.